Welcome to Lawmen, a podcast about local legends and obscure curiosities from days of yore. I'm Alastair Beckett-King. I am the way, the truth and the life. And I'm James Shakeshaft. I'm allergic to crab. This story is a monstrous tale from 18th century London about why being a woman can sometimes be a pain in the bum. So I have a London tale for you, and it's called The London Monster. Ooh. Yeah. Or I'm going to call it Angerstein's Monster, for reasons that will become hopefully clear when I explain who Angerstein is. Yeah. All right. Um, but it's a play on Frankenstein's Monster. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and I just... I, I could um, see Frankenstein's Monster that. was the monster's name? <laughs> yeah, the monster's name was Frankenstein's Monster. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Are you correcting me? We called the dog Indiana. And I usually, it's very rare that my research comes just from one book, but in this case, it does. And that is a book called The London Monster. Oh, good. I thought uh, it was going to be the Bible. I got worried. (laughs) The only book you need to read, my friend, (laughs) that a certain carpenter's son. Uh, The London Monster, it's a book by uh, Jan Bondersen, who's a a Swedish writer and academic who lives in uh, Wales now. And he's written several other books. I'm just going to give you names of two of them. Amazing Dogs and The Pig-Faced Lady of Manchester. So, Oh. And he also wrote The London Monster as well as loads of books about Jack the Ripper. So he pretty much knows his stuff, James. About dogs and one particular pig-faced woman. Yeah. But also, if you look up the Wikipedia page about this, all the references are to this book. Nobody else appears to have bothered writing anything on the subject of The London Monster other than this guy. Okay. And it's not just a book of fiction. The, here's the, the quote on the front. This is not just a book of fiction, and it's by him. <laughs> the quote on the front from the Philadelphia Inquirer says, The facts in this case are so peculiar that no novelist would have dared to invent them, which is the kind of thing that if you had made it up, you would have put on the front as a way of taunting people, I think. That's the most pretentious way of saying, you couldn't make it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think he did make it up. It's extremely well referenced. Oh, he also wrote a book about being buried alive. Fascinating guy with uh, a very wide range of interests. Amazing. Do- I didn't give All the way f- from dogs, only amazing ones, <laughs> to women, only a pig face one. I didn't give you the full name. It's Amazing Dogs, A Cabinet of Canine Curiosity. <laughs> Don't put them in a cabinet. That seems cruel. Uh, so, the, the London Monster was a, a, a phenomenon that occurred in London. It began in 1790 and lasted for about two years. Now, I have to say up front... It's a bit nasty. Nobody dies, but there's a lot of general nastiness towards young women. Are, are you okay? Oh, I was going to say, are you okay with that? Not really, but yeah. Right, you, are you disapproving, but prepared to listen? I'm, I'm suf- sufficiently warned. So over the period of that time, the London monster was stalking the streets of London, specifically the beautiful young women of London. And over 50 women were attacked by this monster. And the, the methods of attack used were extremely varied. The the standard monster attack was, I apologise for having to describe this, but I do, uh, the monster would go up, shout something rude or suggestive, and then 
stab them in the buttocks with a knife or slash at their buttocks with a knife. That was the, the monster's standard modus operandi, if you will. However, the the types of crimes that were attributed to the monster were hugely varied. So one of them was that he has a, a beautiful nosegay, like a flower. Because you know the way in the 18th century, a man could just go up to a stranger and say, do you want to smell this flower on my clothes? And uh, it, was, it was rude to say no. I can only imagine that's how the joke flower ever came into, yeah, exactly. into being. It's a version of that joke flower where, because if someone says, do you want to smell this thing I'm wearing? You would say, absolutely not, you weird pervert. It better be good. <laughs> it smells like a flower, yeah. What a surprise. What this guy, the monster, would do is hide a pin in it so that when they went to the smell, he would jab them with the pin, which ah. is horrible. What's This monster's got a jacket. He's not like a monster oh, monster. monster. Oh, sorry, yeah, I should have explained. The monster's a man. Oh, okay. Yeah. The monster was the man's name then. <laughs> uh, other things he did was uh, he attacked women with knives attached to his knees. Oh, that's surprising. Knife knees. Yeah. Or claws attached to his hands, like Wolverine. That's a bit that more... That were retractable. I, ooh. Were they retractable? I can't remember. That's pretty, that's pretty cool, but more expected than knee knives. Yep. Also, one woman was walking along, a door opened... And an arm just came out, punched her straight in the face, knocked her clean out. <laughs> the monster strikes again. I'm sorry to laugh at that. Clearly, clearly the work of the same man as those other crimes. It was very slapstick. And another woman... I uh, guess it is, because it fits the same MO of, like, you know, a claw popping out of a hand, a knife popping out of a knee, uh, a pin popping out of a flower, a fist popping out of a door. Exactly. And finally, um, a, a word popping out of a mouth. Another time, the monster went up to a woman and shouted, Buh! in her face. <laughs> so... <laughs> How's that spell? <laughs> B-U-H exclamation mark. Oh, that checks out. So it could be it could be an 18th century spelling of boo. So uh-huh. I'm not sure. So it could be boo, but I'm pronouncing it buh. <laughs> it's a little more French. So... I don't think I need to tell you that the monster's crimes were many and manifold and horrible, but also you with your 21st century mindset might start to wonder if these were in fact a variety of different crimes attributed to a fictitious monster character. But Mm. the important thing to note is literally nobody in this story has that thought at any point. (laughs) Nobody at any point wonders if it's just a series of different crimes that happen to be similar. Or not similar, just Or completely dissimilar, yeah. So there are about 50 attacks overall. But monster mania, as Bonderson calls it, didn't really kick in until about 15 attacks had occurred. Right. What happened was Angustine, who I've mentioned before, John Julius Angustine, or it could be Angustine, like Frankenstein, Mm. what I was going for there, but based on different spellings from the era, probably Angustine. He was a a wealthy philanthropist and also probably quite liked going around to interview beautiful young women who'd been in trouble. And so he became the, the lead monster hunter and he put up a 100 £100 reward for the capture of the monster, which in 1790 was a hefty chunk of change. a lot of pounds. Yeah. And he plastered posters all over town, which really kicked off the widespread fear of the monster, as well as probably bringing in quite a few false claims, because a lot of people wanted to to catch the monster and get the money. Yes. Um, So the the Bow Street Runners were pretty rubbish. So at this time, I'm sure you're aware, there was no formal police force. Oh, we're pre-peeler. Who's Peeler? The Peelers were the original name for them because they were invented by... The, of the police. They were called the Peelers because they were invented by someone, Peel. All right. John Peel? Yeah, John Peel. Did he do... Okay. <laughs> Did he do children's television, though? I'm getting confused. That's the radio DJ, John Peel. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so the the Bow Street Runners, what, my favourite, and you know I'm only throwing him in here for names, my favourite Bow Street Runner was Moses Morant. Yeah, that's good. Bow Street Runners is a great name anyway. Yeah. Just spoiler warning, it's up there with Bay City Roller for me. <laughs> Um, and he, in fact, he was there in time where someone said, the monster just attacked me. He was able to follow the monster until he saw him knocking on a door and then thought, ah, that's where he lives, and went home. As if you knock on the front of your own door. Of course, when they went to investigate, they said, does the monster live here? And they said, no, but some weirdo just knocked on the door last night. And they went, oh, yeah, we lost him because we're idiots. <laughs> really should have. Really, maybe should have checked to see if he went in that house he knocked the door on, Moses Murrant. Um, so there were, there, were, there were posters everywhere. Women started to have, upper class women started to have um, special metal armoured pants made for them to, uh, yeah. to catch him out. That's good thinking. Poorer women were tying copper pans onto the onto their, their bottom regions. Are we in the age of the bustle? Well, I don't think... Are we immediately before know. the age of the bustle? I do not know. It's possible that the bustle was introduced as a defence mechanism. Yeah, either to d- defend or to attack. <laughs> You think they could store maybe knives or blow darts in the bustle and just whip them out? If you can put a pin in a flower, you could put a whole bunch of knives in a (laughs) bustle. Smell my bustle. A magnet that locks the knife knee in and then he's stuck. Yeah, to your buttock. That's what I was thinking. Sticks so powerful that it attracts all his claws to your buttocks. That's the opposite of what you would want, yes. A repelling magnet would be better. You want to catch the monster by whatever means necessary, even if it be by heavily magnetised bottoms. (laughs) Of all the b- bizarre and hysterical reactions to this, my favourite is the No Monster Club. Which, <laughs> yeah, which I think you'll agree is just the worst name for a thing. It's like it's not somehow it just doesn't have the ring of a name. The No Monster Club, not even Anti Monster Gang. Yeah. Well, they were there, there were of course uh, gangs of monster hunters roaming the streets, vigilantes looking for the monster. They rarely found him. The Mo- No Monster Club were sort of young rakes who had had a really nice time wandering around the fairly. Uh, licentious streets of London talking to young women mm. who found that nobody wanted to talk to them after the, the monster oh. attack started. So what they did was, naturally, formed a club called the No Monster Club and made cardboard badges that said No Monster on them to let people know that they weren't the monster. Oh, right. So I'm in a club for No Monsters. For people who aren't the monster. Right. Which is a club that really everyone, apart from, like, one guy with knives on his knees... <laughs> yeah. Should have been a member of. Um, so anyone that was accused of being the monster was in danger of being lynched straight away. Right. And in fact, pickpockets started to use it. They would steal your stuff. And when you went, oi, they would say, it's the monster. And then a mob of up to 100 people would chase you for the rest of the day. And in fact, a lot of the work that the Bow Street Runners and the parish coppers did was protecting people who had been accused of being the monster or who had been taken in as suspects. Keeping those guys alive was the main achievement of the police during the story. To be honest, it sounds like it would be quite easy to get away. You just go up to the nearest door and knock on it and people be like, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> end of that invest- another case closed. <laughs> My favourite thing was there was a brief sort of 18th century flame war between uh, two captains, Captain Crookshanks and Captain Thickness. <laughs> <laughs> I swear oh. I didn't pick this story for the names, but Captain... Th- it's actually Thickness, E-S-E-S-E. And you're always saying, Captain Thickness. Uh, it's Thickness. Uh, pronounce it Thickness, please. So Captain Thickness had accused Crookshanks of being a coward, and so Crookshanks made a spoof of Angustine's monster poster naming Thickness as oh, the monster. Uh-oh. Yeah, which is like... Fake news. Yeah, that is not fair. And quick as a flash, in an 18th century quote tweet, 
Thickness produced a poster that had a picture of Crookshanks putting up the other poster on that poster. So it was a weird meta Whoa. poster, but he 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 satirically uh, referred to him as Captain Straightshanks instead of Captain Crookshanks, which is like, we are not involved in your beef. Yeah, we the people of London. Like, how are we supposed to know who that is? The only winner in that is the printer that got to do all of those yeah, posters. Yeah, it's a complete waste of time. But it really, it gives a sense of the panic and the the, the general air of madness that was in London at the time. And people I, were in genuine fear. Prevalent as well, like, everyone would get that joke. Everyone gets that reference. Yes, because it's, it's the monster. Monster-based gags. Only the No Monster Club would pretend not to get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, not in, the, not in the club, please, James. <laughs> Off the record, hilarious. What, what I like about the badge, though, is the No Monster badge. There's nothing more suspicious than denying a crime that you haven't yet been accused of. Mm. Like, you wouldn't wear a T-shirt that said, not a pedo, you wouldn't wear that. Well, I, I did conceive of such a thing. Because <laughs> as a new dad... You've been dad, selling these online for weeks. As a new dad, I find that I will be interested in other people's kids in a way that I wasn't when I wasn't a dad. Yeah, just like a professional interest. Yeah. Like and a you're pigeon fancier. Like, give going, him, All right. Yeah. yeah. What can he do? Yeah, exactly. And I feel that I need I needed a badge to say, it's okay, I'm a new dad. But I, I, then I also you did should think... should have formed the No Pedo Club. <laughs> I think if you want to prove yourself to not be a pedo, putting a badge on is probably a bad idea. Yeah, it's judge people based on their actions, I say. Not their badges. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now I'm going to tell you the tale of the capture of the London monster. Oh, well now. a London monster. Oh. Or an unfortunate man. W- which one of those it is, I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Um, but it, it all begins with the attack on uh, Anne Porter, who was uh, a young woman who was walking home with her sister Sarah back to uh, Perros Bagnio, which is where she worked, which is a bathhouse. I should say that bathhouses at this time were semi-synonymous with brothels. But as far as we can tell, by all accounts, Perros Bagnio was a respectable mm. institution and that you're looking really sceptically. Uh, whose accounts are theirs? Yeah, mainly their accounts. It's like there is genuinely a door in central London, in Soho. There's one door and it says on it, there's a little plaque that says, there are no prostitutes at this address. The No Prostitutes Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's the headquarters. <laughs> So uh, Anne was uh, accosted, as I said. Uh, A horrible man with a big nose grabbed her and made sexually suggestive comments, presumably sexually suggestive comments. I'm interpreting the 18th century text, which gives no detail of any of this. Uh, She managed to wrestle herself free, even though he leered after her after the attack was finished. And when she got back into the house, she found out that she'd been stabbed in the Baticular region. Or possibly the thigh. They're not specific about any of this. And she was bleeding, which was nasty. Mm. She had uh, a fiancé who was a fishmonger called John Coleman. And the whole family was sort of out and about. Inaccurate surname. Coleman. For a fishmonger. What should he have been called? Codman. (laughs) Never satisfied, James. Nope. Out and about one day, she mentioned the fact that she wonders if she'll ever see him again and how she should react. And John, who's a bit of a tough guy, sort of said, I'll, I'll deal with it. And then that day, she says, oh, look, there's the monster. And Coleman is put in a bit of a pickle because, as far as I can tell, he's not that much of a tough guy. What Coleman does is he spends about the next several hours gradually following this man around London and eventually accosts him in a a building uh, where where he's visiting a friend and demands his name and address. And he gives him his name and address and he walks off feeling, that's good, that's enough information to hand over to the police. And then he realises, oh, what if he lied? (sighs) What if he lied about his name and address? So he wanders around some more, hoping to catch him again, and he runs into him again and says, I, I, actually, 
Do you mind coming with me uh, a minute, please? And the guy uh, says, yeah, all right. And he takes him to Perros Bagnio. The man who he's been following, whose name, by the way, is uh, Renick or Rinwick Williams. Uh, he's a Welshman. Agrees to come with him. And he takes him to Perros Bagnio. And immediately upon see him, seeing him, Anne Porter goes, it's him, and faints. Oh. And Rinwick Williams says something like, I hope they haven't, you haven't mistaken me for the monster. Mm. And from that moment on, his fate is sealed. Rennick Williams is arrested and charged with being the monster. And of the many people who've been attacked by the monster, uh, a handful of them identify him as being the monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anne is absolutely certain he's the monster. Obviously not the one that got punched. The punchy one, no. The, the, the weird thing here is, uh, Rennick Williams is, is, is not a particularly savoury character. He's quite well born, but he's come down in the world. He's lost all of his money. He used to be a fine dancer. He was fine. He was fine. His last, his last job was making artificial flowers. Um, and he, oh. he he was sacked. Uh, yeah, artificial flowers, like the kind of nosegays that we use to attack people. Yeah. Mm. He was sacked from that job, and now he's basically penniless. And all <laughs> now he, does- he makes me knives. <laughs> so Rennick Williams gets arrested, and he's charged. Well, this is the really tricky bit. There isn't really a crime to describe what the monster has done at this time. There are two categories of crimes, felonies and misdemeanours. Mm-hmm. Uh, felonies are really serious. Capital, you get killed or you get shipped off to Australia. Misdemeanours jail, pillory, that sort of thing. Right. The tricky thing is the law is an ass and it's completely insane. So murder is a felony. Attempted murder is a misdemeanor. Oh. So they have to dig and dig and dig in the law books to try and find a crime that it could be. And it turns out that deliberately trying to slash someone's clothes is a felony. So attempted murder isn't, but trying to tear someone's clothes is because of some old law, because people were importing nice new fabrics from India and the local textile workers didn't like it. And so they started slashing people's fancy clothes. Uh. And so they made that a felony. So like stealing, stealing over a shilling's worth of money, that was a felony, mm. but attempted murder wasn't, Gee. nor was just stabbing people in the bottom. They, it's a bit of fun. <laughs> just, just larks. Mm. That said, if he had, of course, been put in the stocks, he would have been immediately murdered by the mob. Stabbed the, in the buttocks what, the what? minimum. <laughs> bare, bare minimum. But, I mean, as during the trials and things, the, they needed loads of guards. There were hundreds of people just trying to, to, trying to get into the, the little carriage that he was travelling in, just trying to murder him. So... He was absolutely hated by the people of London. So his first trial was pretty much a disaster. They there was no evidence, by the way. Um, so he didn't have any. Um, he didn't have any cutting implements. Not even on his knees. <laughs> I'm sure they checked the knees. Would have been <laughs> the first place they would have looked. And identified his coat as being the coat she described, even though his coat didn't look like the coat that she described when she described it. Oh. And he didn't own it at the time of the attack. Nonetheless. That was considered damning evidence. Uh Uh-oh. The best thing about the trial is Lady Wallace. Lady Wallace was one of the... was a playwright. She was also one of the monster's victims. But she didn't think it was Williams. She said, I'll be here. I'll be exculpatory evidence. I'll say that it wasn't him who attacked me. And so she got to the trial... Uh, and and then um, the, his defence attorney said, uh, or whatever it was, solicitor said, OK, so we're, we're going to call you. And she went, no, 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 I just made it up because I wanted a good seat. And the important thing about Lady Wallace is she does this over and over again. And every single time, everyone just goes, Lady Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> so Renuk, he, uh, Williams had quite a lot of things going for him. Like he fit the description of only a few of the people. A mm. lot of them had changed what they said that he looked like. He mm. did have a big nose, which was the important thing. Also, he did go around London chatting up young ladies and was quite aggressive towards them. So he, he did do the everyday sexism thing. 
up to, but not necessarily including, the stabby part of it. Mm. The weird thing is that he had a history of doing that. So he'd done that to Anne Porter more than once in the past. Ah. Which is weird, because when the monster attacks, she didn't say, it was this guy who's hassled me several times in the past. Yeah. However, at this point, her story is that that's how she recognises him. He's the guy who's done this to her several times in the past. A little bit weird. Yeah. He has an alibi. He was at work at the time. Oh. And his boss, boss uh, Amabel Michel, or uh, Amiable Mitchell, depending on how <laughs> racist the journalists writing about it were, <laughs> just completely de-Frenching the French guy's name. Um, he gives him uh, a, a complete alibi. Mm. However, as he's giving his alibi, Lady Wallace chips in and says, that guy there, the one who's giving evidence, he attacked me in the park and he accosted me and he said all kinds of terrible things to me. And everyone goes, oh, could he be one of one of many monsters? Does this explain why the monster has lots of different faces? And then she says, no, it's just a joke. He didn't do that, honestly. It was a joke. And everyone went, oh, Lady Wallace, this is perfectly acceptable behaviour. In a courtroom. What are you up to? So the, the newspapers had theorised that because the monster looked different in each attack, he was uh, a gentleman who had a million different disguises. Rennick Williams obviously wasn't that. But but these, um, these, nobody was really interested. They just wanted to arrest a monster. And Williams was found guilty almost immediately. In the first trial of Rennick Williams. Oh. Yeah. He managed to get a second trial because oh, yeah. the first trial was ridiculous. Lady Williams was just punking everyone on an almost hourly basis. Jeez, Louise. And uh, and also, they charged him with deliberately trying to cut people's clothes, which was obviously not what the monster was trying to do. No. So it was clearly nonsense. Trying to get them sweet, sweet buttocks. Yeah. So he did get a second trial, and here I introduce the... I don't know if he's the best character or just the worst human I've ever read about. Oh. Theophilus Swift. A descendant of Jonathan Swift, mm-hmm. uh, and also another Irishman. Um, and uh, this isn't really relevant, but... Another Irishman? Well, Jonathan Swift was Irish, and oh, so right. was Theophilus Swift. Oh, okay. Another Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> um, this isn't relevant, but he had a son called Dean Swift, who I think probably talked like this. I'm Dean Swift. Yeah, because, I know, Dean. Oh, I'm Dean. Dean Swift. Dean Swift. And the reason I say that is Theophilus Swift was convinced his son Dean was a genius, but mm. he obviously wasn't. He was sent down from Cambridge for kicking his maths tutor. <laughs> I'm Dean Swift. I don't like numbers. <laughs> he got in his escort Cosworth and did a donut. Uh, Dean Swift, very much the Lady Wallace of Cambridge. <laughs> what a japester. Um, Theophilus Swift was, among other things, an Irishman, a complete... And we're going to have to bleep that, but he Mm. really was. He was a profound misogynist, as well as conspiracy theorist, fabulist and liar. Mm. He wrote pamphlets making wild claims like the Prime Minister is conspiring to murder the royal family. And then from that point onwards claimed that he had saved the royal family's life by publishing that pamphlet. Well... And he wrote a pamphlet saying that Rinnick Williams was innocent. And there's good reason to think he might have been at least partly innocent, certainly of some of the crimes. Mm-hmm. So Swift became his lawyer for the second trial, which was probably a terrible mistake because Swift was not reliable. So among other things, he probably had Rennick Williams dye his hair so his hair didn't match the descriptions. But everybody could tell he dyed his hair. Because which didn't... they'd seen him really recently. Yeah, they'd seen him quite recently, so it didn't make him seem any more innocent to have deliberately died his hair. It made him look quite a bit more guilty. The other problem was that Swift, as a really bad misogynist, just hated the Porter women. Um, in his view, the the Perez Bagnio was a proper 
brothel bagnio. Oh, right, really. And these women were prostitutes. And the whole thing was a scam to get Angustine's reward. So mm. um, so he impugned the, the character of the, the witnesses, who, let's remember, everyone really liked. And uh, he spent a lot of time accusing Coleman, the, the fiancé, of being a terrible coward for not just confronting Williams, who he suspected. Mm-hmm. Did he have any interactions with Lady Wallace? Because, <laughs> boy, oh boy, that would have been fun to see. James... They were close friends. Oh, no, really? Yes. <laughs> he got Lady Williams in to explain that she had lied all the stuff that she said in the previous trial, and um, which, which even though that was perjury and she should have gone to prison, everyone just went, Lady Wally. <laughs> so Swift's theory was that um, not that they hadn't been attacked, but that they had decided to get the reward themselves, Anne and her, and her would-be husband, John. Uh, John, of course, did claim the reward by I finding mean, the uh, the monster. So she points a guy out who she doesn't like. He catches him, mm. claims the reward, and they get married. And then they've got a hundred smackers. I d- describing a fiancé as a would-be husband, <laughs> that <laughs> seems quite harsh. That's... Well, here's the thing. In the court, Anne insists that she is not engaged to be married and that they have no relationship whatsoever. They're just friends. She's inconsistent. Yes. And, of course, after the trial is... I mean, she's no Lady Wallace. (laughs) After the trial is complete, they do get married. Oh. Um, So she probably was lying there. Mm. She may have perjured herself, as Bonderson puts it. So, basically, Swift does an absolute hatchet job of of the defence. Everybody hates him. Everybody really likes the women he's attacking. And, unfortunately... Renick Williams is found guilty again. This time, though, because he was being tried for a misdemeanour, he's sentenced to six years in Newgate Prison, which is pretty rubbish. What was the misdemeanour, sorry, this one? Attempted Uh, murder? uh, Yeah, the usual stabbing. What he actually did, which was stab loads of women. Weird stories were told while he was in prison that the monster was putting on balls, the monster's balls, and people were having lavish dinners and invited. Because you could go into prisons, you'd pay to go into prisons those days and just see the wretched people there. Right, right. And that probably was not true but there were weird stories told. Uh, He eventually left prison, got married, changed his name, and was never heard of again. Oh. And Theophilus Swift kept writing pamphlets about what a genius he'd been and how he nearly got him off. Uh, And in doing so, saving the royal family. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he also discovered a tranche of uh, poems written by Jonathan Swift, uh, which he had published. Although some people at the time noticed that they seemed an awful lot like his writing. Mm. Yeah. Or Dean's. (laughs) I don't like numbers. <laughs> the end of the London monster story leaves us uh, with as much of a mystery as uh, the people of the 1790s. We we don't really know if it was Renwick Williams. We don't know how many there were. Angustine always thought that there was more than one monster, but he believed that they were all working together because how could they have learned the, the modus operandi that was in every newspaper and on the posters that he had commissioned to be printed and posted around the city? How could they have known? How could they have coordinated so brilliantly? How could people have coordinated crimes as similar as punching someone and going buh <laughs> without a central monster organiser? Well, basically, the the unsurprising thing is is that this sort of thing happens all the time in lots of different cities. And um, well, there's two things that happen. There's people who go around stabbing women because they get kicks out of it and there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And that's horrible. Mm. And that happens quite a lot. And also... There are moral panics and mass delusions where people believe something is happening. And mm. this is one of the perfect sort of storms of both of those things happening at once. The attacks are real, at least some of them. Some people fake them. Once word got out that beautiful women were being attacked, quite a lot of 
women started. Oh, I've been slightly attacked. Ah. Uh. Mm. Uh, I don't want to play on that too much because hashtag believe women. Exactly. Um, but some of them were proven to not be telling the truth. Right. By um, men. <laughs> yeah, by, by guys. Uh, a few of the other cases that uh, Bonderson lists are the, uh, the, the, the Mohawks, which were uh, gentlemen who went around just causing chaos at night, although it turned out maybe it didn't exist. The mad gasser of... <laughs> on the subject of wind, the mad gasser of Virginia oh. didn't exist. Um, uh, I, uh, yeah. You might have heard of him. I've heard of that one. Yeah. Uh, and a few that definitely did exist, the uh, the Majen Stecker and the Majen Schneider of Germany, who were guys who went around doing stabby and pokey. Jack the Snipper. <laughs> heard of him? No, but I wonder why I've never heard of him. In 1977, uh, he cut women's miniskirts on the under, London Underground, and that was one guy, and he was caught. And I don't know about this, but one of one of the, my favourites is in 1819, one guy doing the, the same old modus operandi, but his name was Thomas Hayne Cutbush. <laughs> Yikes. Um, oh, my favourite thing, sorry, about the, the, the Merchen Schneider... Uh, I shouldn't say favourite thing, but his catchphrase in German was Ich steh dich, which means I stab you. <laughs> There's one guy who I've forgotten, which is actually a precursor to the London monster, and his name was Whipping Tom, and he would lift up women's skirts and shout Spanko, and then hit them on the bottom. Spanko? Spanko. And that's pre-1790? That's pre-1790. That sounds more modern. I love a mass hysteria. I do. <laughs> oh, I love him. <laughs> So as you well know, James, the word spanko means it's time for the scores. <laughs> Do you know about kancho, by the way? No. It's a Japanese thing. It's when someone bends over, you make like the gun, the hand signal for a gun yeah. using two full hands and you pop your fingers up their bum shouting, kancho! What? It's, it's a bit of fun. Oh, it's completely inappropriate. It's called a kancho. Oh, because it's got a name, it's okay to do it. Yep. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's awful. Just be, go pick up that pen. <laughs> um, so, my, my first category for you, with, in the classic get-it-out-of-the-way move, is supernatural. Yes. Nothing. Well, hold on. Even the stories about him didn't go supernatural. They well, just, they turned into mechanics. I think among the uh, the common folk of London... He was probably credited with uh, sort of supernatural abilities. You know, the way he constantly changed his appearance. You know, the characters like Spring-Heeled Jack mm. in, in London who could leap over buildings and things like that. So he belongs to a pantheon. Even of... he sounds mechanical. <laughs> yeah. So he, he belongs to a pantheon of London nightmares mm. who are, who are sem- semi-mythical. And Jack the Ripper is included in those. So I think there is a, there is a creepy underlying supernaturalness to it. But I concede that none of the events I described were in themselves magical. No, it's just got the word monster in the name. Monster! Which you say it in your best Broadway style. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, though, this may have been the beginning of uh, people starting to use the word monster to mean sexual criminal or or, or deviant like that. Oh, right, okay. So no points for Supernatural. (sighs) All right. Naming. Yeah. Okay, lots. It's got all the names, James. Yep, yep. You got the thickness. Witness the thickness. <laughs> Captain Thickness. Captain Thickness. Moses Morant. Perros Bagnio. Oh wait, there's one I didn't even tell you. This is how one of the uh, the French co-workers of Renick Williams. This is how he's introduced by uh, Jan Bonderson. Typhon Fournier, a Frenchman with a silly name. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I'm on board. Just dropping in Fournier at the last minute there. I've now seen the cover of this book. Wow. So, oh, I should have, I, I should have said that the, um, the, the monster inspired a great many satirical cartoons, and the one you're looking at there 
is the, the I think the monster disappointed trying to take his his breakfast and his breakfast is a woman's bottom and a giant monster with an enormous knife and a fork is lifting a woman up but he's disappointed to find out she's wearing a copper bottom on her bottom and he's not able to to go to work however James there was a rude version of that published where you could see her bottom oh my lord <laughs> oh yes he's got a big head He's got. You really, you really think the no monster badges wouldn't have been necessary? No, there wouldn't. Have, there's no jacket room to put it on. Yeah. See if I can upload that. Yeah. Okay. Names. Names. All names. the names. All Relic the names. Williams. Amiable Mitchell. Amiable Mitchell. Amiable uh, Michelle. Uh, Theophilus Swift. Yeah. Dean Swift. Dean Swift. Oh, you get five points for Dean Swift. Dean, 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 Dean Swift. Dean Swift. Angerstein. He was ang- He was angry about it. He's like an angry lobster. <laughs> Angerstein's monster was a very nice uh, addition to the start. Yep. But a, lo- a lot of people blame Angerstein for the whole thing because the, the hysteria really begins with his posters being put up and, and the reward. Mm. And so maybe it, never would have, maybe it never would have happened if it hadn't been for him trying to stop it. You're close to losing a point for old straight shanks, the most impenetrable impenetra- pun. <laughs> Oh, it's not Crookshanks. It's more like Straight Shanks. I don't know what you mean. And also, your name is Captain Thickness. <laughs> All right, but we've got the Mädchenstecker, the Schneider, and Jack the Snipper, Jack 1977. The Snipper. Uh, definitely five out of five. Thank you. My next category for you is Mass Hysteria. Oh, yeah. Well, it's... It's pretty big. Well, because I'm, I'm, I was reluctant to pitch it as just being straightforward hysteria. Because mm. also, the word hysteria was made up by doctors who kept meeting women who had had horrible lives and going, "These broads are crazy." <laughs> Must be someone to do with a hysterectomy bones. Yeah, I expect her female organs have uh, malfunctioned, <laughs> and that's why she's unhappy about being made to do all the cleaning. So I'm reluctant to just say these crazy ladies, mm. but. It's obvious that the that monster mania, as Bonderson calls it, was mm. a, was a thing. Yeah, and that these all these were just a series of unconnected attacks that were connected by the the mad paranoia of of the monster. There's some doozies. Uh, you mentioned some earlier. I have some favourites. The Korean fan death. That's a mass hysteria. Yeah. In, what, what's that? Basically, in Korea, they think that if you go to sleep with an electric fan on in your room, it's highly dangerous, and that will probably kill you. All sorts of reasons, um, because it gets the body too cold and you get hypothermia and die, or it blows all the oxygen out. They, do, But it doesn't at all. It's just a thing that everyone thinks. You know, I, I had an, Egypt, an Egyptian friend, and I was standing right next to a fan. It's not quite the same thing, but I was standing right next to a fan because it was really hot, because it was a really hot day. Mm. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm standing next to the fan because it's a hot day. And she said, don't you know you'll get a chill? It's really bad for you to stand right next to the fan. And she said, didn't, didn't your mother tell you that? And I went, no, because my mother is Scottish and <laughs> we have no need of fans. <laughs> this is the first time I've been hot. I'd thought you'd be more, she'd be more worried about you, you getting your lovely hair caught. Yes. In a that fan. Is, and that has happened a lot. Oh. Yeah. But you should see the fans, James. They don't come out of it well. You should see the other guy. They know they've been in a fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is another one that I was, I can't remember the country, I can't remember the country, penis shrinking. Everyone, all the men thought their penises were shrinking. <laughs> and like so much so they were like inverting. Really? Yeah. I'd, let me, I mean, you, I really need more information. I there. know. I'd, I'd, Is there a support group? I've Googled mass hysteria penis shrink. 
mass hysteria about my penis shrinking. <laughs> uh, Coro is known as shrinking penis. Is listed. Uh, it's a man. Is in. It's listed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorder Disorders. The syndrome occurs worldwide. Uh, mass hysteria of gentle shrinkage anxiety has a history in Africa, Asia, and Europe. It's wow. a thing. It's a thing. But the men are like, guys, I think my penis is shrinking. And now the men are like, no way, well, you do. no way. Mine's getting real small too. <laughs> Let's all get our penises out together. Oh. Signs and symptoms. <laughs> Mm. I can think of one key sign you would look for in penis shrinkage. <laughs> yeah, that there's that. The Croydon cat killer. The Croydon cat. I tell you what, argue. James. I was because uh, oh, I have been getting into arguments about this for for years now. About the Croydon cat killer. About the Croydon because I live in Croydon technically. Yeah, I say London, but it's actually Croydon. Yeah, me too. And I have a cat. And I have uh, a keen interest in crime and justice. Mm. And people have been saying to me for ages that the Croydon Cat... I heard someone the other day, you know, he struck a far afield as Birmingham. You're like, no, he didn't. Just someone killed a cat in Birmingham. Just... And it, and the police released a thing where they said it was foxes. Yeah, and no one believes it. And no one believes it. Everyone still thinks it was the Croydon Cat Killer. Or foxes in league with the Croydon Cat Killer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's since... Uh, my sister's husband was visiting, and he's, he lives in New, New York City. And they've got crime there, James. They've got yeah. proper, proper crime. Not like your quaint English crime where people steal scones. They've got real crime. Statistically, it's safer to live in New York than London, but still, crime. And we found out about the Croydon Cat Killer, and he really loves animals. And it ruined the rest of the evening, because he was just staring off into the distance. And at one point, he turned back to us and said, so... Is anybody doing anything to catch this guy? Well, there's Snarl, <laughs> headed up by Bodicea Rising. Uh, <laughs> Snarl's the South Norwood Animal Relationships... Le- uh, something again with L. What? League, maybe? I'm going to guess League. Yeah, yeah. It's like the No Monster Gang. It's <laughs> pick a dignified name if you want people to take you seriously. Also, the person heading it up's name is Bodicea Rising. I completely forgot about Bodicea Rising. Just... No, that, that's one of the reasons why people aren't taking it seriously. We have gang violence and yeah. terrorism and things like but the also, Croydon Cat Killer, brackets, not a thing, is mm, probably quite low on the priorities of also, everyone other than Bodicea Rising. But the, when you explain the reality of it to him, it's even worse because it's like, oh, no, it's not one person doing it. It's just loads of people <laughs> do it all the time. Yeah. That's the yeah, but that's and the, that's, the, that's the real horror of the the London monster because yeah. plenty of these cases were real. There wasn't a London monster. There wasn't a network of evil people working together to commit completely dissimilar sexist crimes. Well, they were they were just men. They just, just men inherent being guys. in society. They'd get away with it. So, what is your score for mass hysteria? Oh, it is. Five out of five. That's dangerously high. I'm starting to panic. It's like I'm going crazy for it. Also, I think I don't know, like. Your penis, James, but since it's not Where's recording. It, <laughs> it was right here. <laughs> so my final category for you, James, Bant's gone wrong. Bant's gone wrong. Because Bant's can go wrong sometimes. Bant's very often goes wrong. Because there's a Jeremy Beadle-esque quality to some of this, I think, you know, like the, the, the enormous contrivances of knives on knees mm-hmm. or retractable claws and that sort of thing. Yeah. The, the, the street hijinks turning into... Horrible, violent, bloody crimes. That could have been any gotcha Oscar. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was Edmunds, wasn't it? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just think everything's Edmunds. I'm don't like sorry, him. are you suggesting that Edmunds may have been responsible for the attacks? But, well, we don't know he wasn't. <laughs> are you aware that you slandered jo- Noel Edmonds in the first series as well? Yes. <laughs> I'm happy to slander Noel Edmonds. 
Although actually, come at us, Edmonds. He's actually quite ripped. Yeah, he was on Amateur Celebrity, and he's he? he's built. Um, and, and how could how do how have all we the people to stab the, with this crinkly bottom? Maybe that's it. <laughs> because he's jealous of other people's non-crinkled bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> do you? Is it canon the crinkly bottom in question was Noel's? I well, I think it's heavily implied. It's not oh, Mr. Right. Blobby's. His would be more saggy. There are some wrinkles, but I think that's just because the costume's a bit old, <laughs> and I don't know how quickly how they how frequently they replace blobbies. Um, that's a horrible idea. Just but the blobby turnover. I just hope there's no crossover. I hope the new blobby doesn't walk in while the old blobby's still there, and the old blobby has to go. All right, so that's it. Is it just undo his collar? Time. <laughs> just walk out. <laughs> <laughs> As in falling over a balustrade. Of course. And, of course, Lady Bants of Bants, Lady mm-hmm. Wallace, the most oh, bantsome yeah. of all the characters in the story. I was kidding. It's a catchphrase. Who just treats perjury as a, just a fun jape. She would have been awful at a stand-up gig. <laughs> just anything, just like, oh, no, that happened to me. Can't say that. Did it? No. <laughs> Uh, we've got uh, D- Dean Swift, um, uh, 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 clearly a bantersome young man. Yeah. Kicked oh, his I'm, math tutor. I'm Dean. I'm Dean. Oh, it's gone wrong. I and didn't mean, I don't kick him a bit of a bounce, mate. Uh, Captain Thickness. His posters were a form of, uh, the, the, his rebuttal poster was a form of extremely rubbish bants. So this would have been obviously pre-camera. Yes. And pre the eye. Uh, only by only about by about 20 years, but certainly before it was possible to print photographs on a poster. So there would have been a drawing of another man putting a poster That's up as what though it that was, were yes. evidence that the other man did actually put the poster up. Yes, indeed. How could you draw something that was made up? Exactly. Bants. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Bants have gone way wrong there, mate. Also, copper pans, pants gone wrong. Which sounds similar. <laughs> oh, nice. So I'm hoping that's going to add to the score. Yeah, because I was just going to give you a four because no one died. But then with the pants gone, pants gone, five. Yeah. Of course it is. Thank you that's very much. That's a great score. So uh, let's just hope that your bottom is safe on the way home tonight. And my willy. <laughs> and, and what's left of your willy. <laughs> I don't know where it's gone. I, I can hardly see it now. But it's disappearing from the base. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Lawmen. The Lawmen are James Shakeshaft and Alistair Beckett King. Please subscribe, rate, review, and recommend to a friend. You can tweet us at LawmenPod or email us at contact at lawmenpodcast.com to suggest stories from your area. Turns out, once again, the true monster was man. Yes, was well, man. It's men. I'll say it again. <coughs> yeah, say it again. <clears throat> Turns out, once again, the true monster was men. That sounded the same because of the accent. Oh, yeah. Classic Schwaval. Schwaval? Schwaval is A-E sound, uh, mm. southern A-E sounds. Linguists, feel free to correct me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>